0: Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.
1: Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. This is Jonathan Siegley talking with Don Callahan today for our UNC football recruiting podcast. We're a couple days behind from our normal Monday slot, but we thought that with the new signing day occurring today, uh, we might have a little bit more to talk about, so I apologize to everyone who may have been looking for this podcast on Monday, but hey, it's Wednesday, and we have a ton to talk about. But to start things off, Don, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, I um, didn't really know what to expect out
0: of the first early signing day, and it actually was a pretty cut and dry. You know, the, the days leading up to it was when a lot of the heavy lifting was, was done from our side of things. But uh, yeah, so how about you? How's everything going with you? Are you uh, all ready for Christmas yet?
1: I hope I am. <laughs> I've got just a, a you little- You have all your
0: shopping done.
1: That's the thing. I've got like one or two things to buy, but you know, no kids right now, so it's really just the wife and then family. But with you having a, a couple of them, I'm, I'm hoping that you guys have everything wrapped up by now.
0: Yeah, yeah. We learned a while ago that it's so much easier just to get everything done you know, well in advance so you're not scrambling at the end. Cause I mean, one of the, well, there's a lot of pains that come with Christmas, but one of them is the wrapping, which we have not started yet. And so <laughs> we'll probably end up starting that tonight. But yeah, and it, what I will say though, is that when you have kids, it definitely brings a a, a brand new and, and really cool dynamic to the whole Christmas thing. Cause I think, you know, when I was in college and before I had kids, it was just kind of like blah, but now it's, it's, it's a lot more exciting for, for me and,
1: and my wife. In terms of early Christmas presents, though, I think Carolina fans were hoping for one from Letty Brown. But according to the scoop that you gave yesterday, and then obviously with what transpired today, it looks like Letty is going to, well, he did sign with West Virginia. So that's one that Carolina fans did not have going their way. Um, I personally was pretty disappointed. But I mean, at the end of the day, Is what it is. Sometimes, you know, the kid may be giving the staff all the right cues, but it it just doesn't come through in the end.
0: Yeah, and what it ultimately came down to was, you know, a a risk assessment for Letty Brown and and his uh, his circle, and and really for those who haven't followed it too much. I mean, we had a pretty detailed breakdown of what transpired, and basically, he had to get a test score in order to be admitted into. Uh, UNC. He had been admitted to all other places, including West Virginia. And um, he took the ACT earlier this month. I can't remember the exact date, but I think it was the 8th of December. And, you know, he, he hasn't received the score yet to know where he was at. And West Virginia told him flatly that in West Virginia, is a school he's been committed to since um, April, West Virginia told him, if, if you don't sign on signing day or the first signing day, then we're going to look at other running backs and we probably, we might not have a space for you. And if, in, if we don't have a space for you and then North Carolina can't accept you, then you might be lef- left with um, no desirable options. So he decided to take the safer route and sign with West Virginia. Obviously, it's a school that he likes because he's been committed there for so long. But for a while there, it was kind of a reservation that he was holding on to to kind of see um, if an opportunity with North Carolina arose but let me just ask you, though, just generally speaking, how do you feel about how everything kind of transpired today for uh,
1: signing day? It's like you said, I think everything went basically as smooth as you would have wanted to. I mean, I think the coaching staff kind of knew going into the morning who was going to sign. So there was just not a whole lot of drama in Carolina. The 14 commits that Carolina was expecting, they all did um, fax in there letters of intent. I guess, are they still faxing those in or can they finally let kids scan an email at this point?
0: No. So what they do is they, they just take a picture of the, le- the signed letter of intent with their, with their cell phone and they, they text it to, I don't know if it goes to the compliance office first or if it goes to a coach and the coach hands it off to the compliance department or if that even matters. But ultimately it gets reviewed by the compliance department to make sure it's filled out properly. And then
1: um, from there, they're considered a, a signee. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting to know. I mean, I guess the uh, I remember the old joke was that signing day was the last day that faxes were actually relevant in modern society. So I'm glad that technology is catching up a little bit. But in the grand scheme of things, it is, you know, it was just a basically like signing days have been with Coach Fedora for a while. I mean, Carolina just doesn't really have too many big time surprises that have happened. I know there's you know, always talk on the boards of, oh, player X, player Y, they're trying to get this flip. And to my knowledge, it just doesn't really happen with this staff. So it was, you know, it is what it is. And when you're looking at the breakdown, I mean, six of the 14 are from North Carolina, four of these kids are from Georgia. So right there, you've got 10 out of the 14 from two pretty big states in terms of wanting to have a football recruiting footprint. So all in all i like the class as it is right now i do hope that carolina does still land maybe 3 or 4 additional kids but we'll see what happens between now and february yeah i think you know
0: there wasn't you know a whole lot of drama particularly on wednesday but there was a little bit of drama on tuesday with nick Fullwilder. and actually mm-hmm. the drama started last weekend um you know he spent the entire all of last week you know, uh, he had an in-home visit with the coaches. He spoke to the coaches every single day, told them that everything was good. He signed North Carolina. And then word leaked out on Saturday that he was in Fayetteville, Arkansas for an official visit with Arkansas, which for those who've been following Nick Fullwater's recruitment, who Nick Fullwater, for those who don't know, it's a defensive lineman from Sinnery Creek High School in Georgia. And uh, his finalist, were North Carolina Arkansas and Vanderbilt and um, at that time obviously Arkansas was at a point where you you knew Brent Bielema was going to be fired but he hadn't been fired yet so it that obviously was a uh, deterrent for for full wilder but uh, the new staff came in and uh, was able to talk him into officially visiting he officially visited and um, things kind of went downhill from there even though for a while there he uh, was saying that that you know he was going to sign with North Carolina and everything. He actually got stranded in the airport in Arkansas because of the power outage in um, in Atlanta. So fortunately for him, he has family in Arkansas and he was able to stay there. But uh, I'm sure that that just kind of played towards Arkansas's favor. Obviously, it wasn't the tipping point, but I mean, I'm sure it made him feel a little bit better. They had family around that he could lean on. And then yeah, on on Tuesday he. He let the coaches know that he would not be signing with them. And, um, you know, so obviously the coaches knew. We broke the news on Tuesday evening. But I think that if, uh, I mean, because it really didn't come out. He didn't say anything. He didn't tweet anything. The only thing he did was uh, delete every sort of reference to North Carolina on his Twitter account. But besides that, he didn't really give any sort of indication that he was wavering. At least publicly, he didn't. So
1: um, Well, I mean, deleting everything off Twitter is a, a pretty big sign in the modern era. So... That was yeah. probably, yeah. I mean, that's that's a red flag to say the least.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, um, for you, I mean, just some of the stuff that happened on Tuesday, you know, and there was also the Spencer Anderson situation, too. What, um, how did you feel about all that?
1: I was disappointed with Full Wilder. I mean, I was also disappointed because I think with Full Wilder deciding to go to Arkansas, it was kind of a double whammy for Carolina because I'm sure a lot of fans listening to this podcast remember when he committed, Carolina was also heavily recruiting um, Balotopelli, the defensive end, and what it was maybe a day or two after Full Wilder committed to Carolina, Balotopelli committed to NC State. And it was rumored heavily that Balotopelli actually wanted to go to Carolina and that his spot was essentially taken by Full Wilder. And so now that Fullwider has left North Carolina, you know, UNC basically is looking at a situation where they missed out on two prospects. From what you recall, Don, is that, you know, kind of accurate to say that this has cost Carolina doubly?
0: Yeah, I mean there was um there was some sort of connection there. I think that North Carolina would have found a way to take both. I just think that um Bola Tapelli got wind that they were gonna that they were about to get the commitment. And that kind of contributed to things. he probably would have ended up at NC State regardless, but um, maybe North Carolina would have kind of hung in there a little bit longer. You know, you know I think the the good thing about having the early signing period is now you have it done and over with. who knows what would have happened if you know we didn't have that early signing period if you know he would took the visit, maybe it didn't leak out or you know I mean who knows I mean that's, that's the interesting thing about that, this early signing period. but North Carolina does have a month to kind of find a replacement they're still recruiting rick sandage and Mm -hmm. they've been recruiting um jamarcus chapman uh, who's from georgia uh rome high school in georgia and so i've been talking to those two they They'll probably expand their their pool a little bit more now because those two are looked at as luxury luxury selections and uh but but the thing is is that with the early signing period that the the pool of targets that you can kind of draw from is is going to be a lot smaller than a week ago so so north carolina is going to be dealing with 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 that aspect
1: yeah well and sandage did not sign a letter of intent with with south carolina today right correct correct
0: because okay. i mean well he's you now he hasn't everybody believes that he's leaning towards south carolina and he he's kind of he says his exact quote to me or not exact quote i'm p- paraphrasing this is that everybody thinks that he's leaning towards Georgia, and South Carolina. So he's just going to go with that. And so if if, if people want to say that, then fine. Um, but anyway, so he has a bunch of, he has four official visits in January, and then he'll make a decision on signing day. And North gotcha. Carolina is one of the schools that he plans on officially visiting, as is South Carolina, which happens to have the last official visit. Mm-hmm.
1: We'll see how that one goes then. And as far as Anderson, Spencer Anderson, the other person that you asked about, before we start talking about Full Wilder and, and Sandage, he was always someone that I thought was not really a need at a position, um, to be frank. I mean, his his videos were okay. I honestly didn't see anything that would really separate him from maybe some of the other offensive line guys that Carolina has committed already. And from what, you know, I think what from what Inside Carolina has reported, it sounds like Carolina maybe has their eyes set on some higher-ranked guys. I'm assuming the biggest name there is obviously William Barnes from Florida, who also, last I checked, did not sign anywhere today. So he is still available. He will still be taking his official visits. So the fact that Carolina backed off of Anderson, you can probably read between the lines and see that as a potential positive. We'll just see what happens between now and February again, kind of similar to Sandage.
0: Yeah, I I think... um... You kind of hit it on the head there. North Carolina was kind of indifferent to Anderson. They liked him but they weren't like thrilled with them. And they kind of slowly start to realize that okay, if we take this kid, we're going to be locked in with this kid. And this is another byproduct of the early signing period, by the way. But you know, in talking to there's there's a, a group of guys, uh, offensive alignment that they've been talking to that they feel really good with, and that um, you know. You don't want they didn't basically didn't want to kind of have Anderson take up one of those spots if they really kind of hit a grand slam with uh with the offense alignment they're talking to who did not sign on on the first signing day and plan on signing on the second one.
1: Well, and I think that this new early signing day is still something that programs are really trying to get used to, so I think you'll see some recruiting techniques being honed. As we get used to, you know, a signing day being in December, um, it'll be interesting to see how it, it it impacts kids. But clearly, you know, we've got a couple examples right now. I guess in looking at the class as a whole, Don, what are just your general thoughts on on the on this early signing day, and then what's your thoughts on North Carolina's class right now?
0: First, with the class, I feel like it's a, a solid foundation. You know, you got some good players. There's some players that you kind of missed on that that is not so great, but it's a very good foundation. They have some players that they really like, some players who have a lot of potential. You got a guy like Jordan Adams, who I I wouldn't be shocked if he contributed as a true freshman, contributed greatly as a true freshman. You know, you're you're adding guys, you know, to you know, your running back depth chart, which which was important. You got some good off got good defensive linemen, you got some good defensive backs. Uh, generally speaking, the, the early signing period, you know, I was really curious about what was going to happen with it and how it, you know, how things were going to lay out. And to be honest, you know, um, when we were planning for it, because, uh, you know, with, with signing day in general, we, we do a lot of planning that, that starts over a month before signing day. And uh, so we didn't really know what was going to happen with this. And I and I felt like I got the, the first taste of that during that second week of December when in a span of seven days, North Carolina received four verbal commitments. Now, I don't have the best memory, so um, <laughs> I might be wrong on this, but I can't remember a week in December where North Carolina has has added that many commitments. It, just in December. It happens in June, you know, because of the camps. It happens during the springtime with the the junior days. Um, it will happen in January, or it has happened in January. Because of the big official visits, but I just don't remember it happening in December. So that so that was kind of interesting, and it just was like bam, bam, bam. Also, it kind of felt like it felt like a a like a I don't know like a scaled down version of the usual signing day, you know. And it was weird because we were basically all done a little after eight o'clock, and the reason why the only reason why we were done after eight o'clock was because Jace Reuter is in Central Time, so. He can't he can't send in his letter intent until seven o'clock his time, which is eight o'clock our time. Had he been in Eastern Standard Time, then we would have been easily done before eight o'clock, which is kind of strange. But now there are some other schools who uh, you know had to wait because you know, there there's there's actually or this KISS deciding throughout today. You mentioned Letty Brown. He's actually deciding tonight at seven. But we know what what that pick is going to be there's some kids i think full wilder actually and i'll have to double check this but i think that he isn't signing until friday because the, the early mm-hmm. sign period is actually three days which is interesting yeah. the other interesting thing i saw which is not necessarily north carolina related right now but take a look at florida state's ranking you know um oh yeah team ranking i mean they just completely take a took a nosedive and that's a result of when they got a coach. Um, when they lost a coach, so if anything is to be learned, and I understand it 's a very, very, very small sample size if you 're going to get rid of a coach or if you 're going to have your coach leave you're it 's better to have it done as soon as possible because you know it wasn 't super late, but you know there was a lot of rumors there, and then finally, Jimbo Fisher left and went to texas a and m and that was relatively late compared to some of the other um hires and then you know, it took them a little bit to hire Willie Taggart, and I think that really kind of affected their class. And they were they were one of the top classes in the ACC. And the last time I checked, they were last in the ACC. And I don't, I can't re- recall a time ever where Florida State was last in the ACC. I'm sure it has happened, but I, I just can't remember a time that that it has.
1: Yeah, I just felt that overall the December signing day didn't really have a lot of the fanfare and pageantry as the February one does, but I expect that to change, you know, as, as, again, kids get used to it, programs get used to it, but when you're looking at the UNC class, Don, let me ask you this, which player are you most excited to see in a Carolina uniform next year?
0: Oh, man, um, can I give you two? Sure. All right, well, for, well, for next year, it'll be Jordan Adams, and I, and I explained why, you know, I feel like he's going to contribute as a, as a true freshman, I don't say that too often. I mean, I, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't surprise me if, at least by the middle point of the season, that he's a, he's a starter. I mean, he's that good. The other guy who probably won't play or might not play as a true freshman, but eventually I'm really excited to see him play, is Jaleel Taylor. And I think if you just watch his film, I mean, the kids, uh, to me, is just unbelievable. Has an unbelievable uh, quick first step. And then he has such a such a high motor, which are two things that you really look for in a defensive lineman, particularly a defensive tackle. I think that what happened—he's listed as six one—and those who cover recruiting know that, or follow recruiting know, if you're listed as six one, you're probably six feet, you know, maybe even five eleven. And I'm sure that a lot of schools that went by and kind of gave him the eye test and saw that he was hovering around six feet, probably were like, oh, we're not going to recruit him and i even had a a scout tell me that if he were 63 he would've been a national recruit so uh, i'm really excited to see him play again i don't i don't think he'll i don't think he'll have a major impact as a true freshman but i think eventually he's going to be a be a star in north carolina what about you what are some of if you can name a, a guy or two guys that you're really excited to see
1: so I'll echo Jordan Adams, and and honestly, I feel that if you polled just Carolina fans in general, maybe what, 99% of them would say Jordan Adams, yeah. so I'm not, you know, we're not going out on a limb there. I would say, for me, the next one is between the two quarterbacks, either Jace Reuter or Cade Fortin, and I can't really decide which one of the two, but I'm very interested to see what happens in the quarterback position moving forward. So obviously those are not going to be guys that you Carolina would will, will expect to see the field next year absent, just basically a catastrophe. <laughs> but those are guys that I am excited to see as they develop because of of their difference in and what they bring um to the football field with Jace being that mobile big arm and then Cade with his accuracy. So those are the two. And then, you know, Devin Lawrence, I just think He's going to be really interesting to see how his career goes. But, you know, I would say my top are Jordan Adams and then a tie between Jason Cade. But, yeah, so we will go ahead and take a quick commercial break here. And when we get back, I wanted to answer the homework question that you asked me last week, Don, when we were looking at the running backs, both that Carolina has committed and the prospects. So we'll end the podcast on that when we return from this quick commercial break. Welcome back. This is Jonathan Siegley here with Don Callahan talking UNC football recruiting. As we mentioned before the break last week, Don challenged me and our listeners to rank the UNC running backs. So the commits that Carolina has as well as the prospects. That list was originally six players, um, but now it is down to five with Letty Brown. The news coming out that he will not be selecting the Tar Heels later on today. And so now we are down to five names; those being Devin Lawrence, Javante Williams, Michael Salahuddin, Anthony Grant, Cavassier Smoke, and as I mentioned, no more Letty Brown. But um, Don, you mentioned off the air that we actually had a listener send us in his list. So let's go ahead and start with that one before we get to ours.
0: Well, first, I'm kind of disappointed that we only got one. I mean, are what? our
1: listeners are they um, are I they scared to? to contribute? I think there's just a lot going on and, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's basketball time. It's a holiday time, but I'm just glad that we got one. So I'll take it. (laughs)
0: Okay. So this is from John and John and I have kind of interacted, you know, through email and stuff like that in the past. He's, He's a coach. He's a high school coach and I know he has coached in North Carolina. I don't know if he's still in North Carolina. I think he, I think he actually moved to South Carolina, but anyway, so his list first, he has, Michael Salahuddin is number one. Number two, he has Anthony Grant. Number three, he has Javante Williams. Number four is Letty Brown, but we've discussed that we're going to leave him out in this. So we'll just bump up the other guys. Number five, um, Devin Lawrence. I'm sorry, number four, Devin Lawrence. And now number five, Cavassier Smoke. So you want to do a rundown of ours, starting with number five? Do you want to go first?
1: Yeah, let's. Uh, I'll start it off, and uh, I'm glad to hear that that mine and John's list are actually different. So my number five actually had Javante Williams. I put him as as the number five on this one. The reasoning being is that when I was looking at the film and going over everything, it's not really a slight to Javante. It's just I saw more that I liked out of the other four. I had written down that the strengths of Javante are his aggressiveness and his power. And Mm -hmm. if you watch his videos, he's actually pretty much the only one out of the group that has highlights of him blocking, and Mm -hmm. he gets after it. So that's where I, I, I got the aggressiveness. And then when you're watching him run, he runs with a lot of power. He runs with a lot of strength. I thought, though, areas where he could improve were his catching abilities? I don't think I saw him catch a single pass in the, out of his entire film. So I just don't know if that's something he's not really asked to do. Well, he runs
0: in a wing tee, so they don't. Uh, and and okay. they're two a ball. Uh, they don't, you know, gotcha. and they're out in the yeah, out yeah. In the east, so they don't they don't throw the ball very much. But go ahead, okay.
1: But that's still something that you know at Carolina he's going to have to do. I mean, the mm-hmm. if you're going to be running back in Carolina, you've got to learn to catch the ball, and so. Frankly, that's just a question mark at this point. The other areas of improvements are his technique in terms of just running and being able to kind of hit holes and be a little bit shifty, and then speed. He's not slow, but at the same time, he was chased down by some defensive backs and even some linebackers a couple times, so those are the areas where I think Javante can improve in. Who was your number five, though, Don?
0: Yeah, well, first, I just want to echo something you mentioned, and this was, I mean, you're basically splitting hairs because, yeah. you know, there were, I looked at it, I, I there were certain um, rankings that I, I kind of struggled with, you know, who I was going to put where and all that sort of stuff. And I'm sure if I would have sat down and done this a month later, I probably would have a little bit different just because these guys are so close. My number five, actually, and this is probably going to surprise some people, is Anthony Grant. Yeah, I oh. like the fact. Yeah, I like the <laughs> fact that he was very physical and violent as a runner. I mean, he literally he loves to throw that that stiff arm, and I mean, he will throw defenders. But I didn't. Well, one with with that. And while that's great on high school, it looks great on on a highlight film. He's not going to be able to do that in college. Oh, at least I don't think he will be able to do that in college. <laughs> so um, I didn't see a lot of. I guess you know shiftiness with him and I didn't I mean he seemed like he had some speed but you know there wasn't a lot, a lot of long gains because he just doesn't have that shiftiness and you know while he's really strong and aggressive with with his uh stiff arm he wasn't um like a power guy who was going to bust through and, and break a tackle and, and kind of run at least from the film I saw now I think if if I was looking at this as just purely just a recruit and not as a running back I probably would have ranked him a little bit higher because he's actually really good just athlete, period. He played a lot of defense for Buford, which is one of the top programs in Georgia. And I think I would have liked him a lot more as an athlete and kind of wanted to mold him into where. I mean, obviously, running back, I think it's probably his best position right now. But as he mature and develops, maybe maybe linebacker might be his best position. So do you want to go and give me your your number
1: four? Well, well actually, I'm going to flip it to you. So we'll okay. we'll just kind of rotate here. So who was your number four then?
0: All right, my number four was actually your number five, so we're not so far off, or at least with that one. Uh, Javante Williams, um, a lot of the same things that you saw. The the thing that I guess I, I why I kind of I guess downgraded him. I don't you know I hate to kind of use that because like I said, there were points where I was kind of thinking about it and I and I had him actually higher, but I feel like he's more of kind of like a fullback sort of guy. I mean, he's he's a guy who on the college level. You'll give him the ball in short yardage situations, you know, goal line situ- situations, and that's great. But the rest of the guys, the guys I have above him, are guys who are every down backs for the most part. So I love the fact that he's extremely physical, and it's a different sort of physicality than Anthony Grant. He's more just kind of throwing his body and just blowing people up. I mean, there's, there's actually a play where the other team is a special teams play. The other team actually returns, I think it was a punt, and the returner's coming down the sideline, and Javante comes out of nowhere and just literally blows him up with a ball just pops up oh, in the yeah, air. Yeah. It was a great play. <laughs> and there's a couple of other ones where, you know, he he puts a nice block because he's in a wing tee offense. So he's, you know, being asked to block a lot, um, in addition to running. And I mean, he will just level a guy with his blocking. You know, so and and then I also had the, I guess, advantage over you where I got to see him a little bit in a camp's, well, in a practice setting for the Shrine Bowl. So I got to see him in, in that sort of situation, and he actually did catch passes in the Shrine Bowl. But ah, good. You know, in your defense, he um, he di- I didn't. I don't remember any footage of him catching any passes, and I kind of expected that with the wing T offense. But in the Shrine, he actually had a thirty-two yard reception in the, in the actual Shrine Bowl. So he does have some hands, but again, it's a small sample size. So you would like to see a little bit more to kind of you know, gauge that. But there, there was a lot I did like about him. I, I agree with you. He didn't have the speed of some of these other guys, but he had enough to where he could finish plays in the end zone. A lot of power. He has some sneaky elusiveness, and I like that a lot. So who's your number four guy?
1: So my number four guy is Cavassier Smoke. And what I had listed for Cavassier, as far as his strengths goes, was that he has good size. And I think Cavassier was listed as the tallest running back because, I mean, he, he's listed at a little bit above six foot and he looks it on film. So I had that as being his biggest strength. I also thought that Cavassier he ran with a lot of power, which I think served him really well. It looks like he was also going up and get some pretty good competition. His other attribute that I liked is he looked like he did have good hands. He was probably him and Devin Lawrence, who I'll get to obviously higher up in my list. They, I thought, had the two best hands out of the entire group. So I thought those were the strengths. However, with Cavassier, one thing that I thought that he really needs to work on was his running technique. He ran very. He had the upright running, mm-hmm. which yeah, a lot of it comes down to personal preference. I realize that. I mean, you know, some people and that's, that's
0: fine when you're doing this. I mean, that's yeah, you know.
1: But you know, I, I just I just thought that he he ran a little bit with with that. Really, he ran with the ball high. He was very kind of stiff, and I just I think that that's not really something that Carolina looks for in in their running backs. And let me also, I should probably preface with this. When I was going through my list, you mentioned on that, you know, some guys might be better as prospects instead of, you know, running backs. But when I was going through it, I looked at it as who do I think would fit in best with North Carolina's offense? So that's gotcha, how gotcha. I kind of, yeah, that's and how. And
0: that's fine. We never really agree. kind of had any sort of disclaimer or any sort of, you know, uh, I guess, preface sort of thing that that would kind of lay out how we're going to look at this. We just had. You know, let's rank these guys. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But, you know, and, and I I think that makes it more interesting. But with Cavassier, I also thought that he needed to show a little bit more elusiveness. His film was very much, he was a one cut. It looked like he actually ran into defenders, which if you're seeing that on a highlight film, he probably does that even more just in regular game scenarios. So that's why I had him as my number four. And then, you know, fair is fair. I'll go ahead and take my number three then. And my number three was Devin Lawrence. And and I think with Devin, I mean, he just does everything well, which is basically what we've been saying about him for months now. I mean, the strengths are his vision, balance, and catching. As I mentioned, he and Kavassie Smoke were the two that I thought could actually, I would trust to catch the ball, uh, even early on in their careers. And then Devin, he he runs with such balance, and he has great vision. So I think those were his biggest strengths. Weaknesses, I thought, were Devin needs to, you know, he needs to get a little bit stronger as a runner, needs to get, if he can, a little bit faster. And then something, you know, what's kind of interesting to me that I guess I've not noticed about Devin before, is that when he runs, he doesn't really use a lot of, like, techniques which is, I think, to be expected in high school. And what I mean by that, he doesn't really like put spin moves on guys. He didn't really stiff arm a whole lot of people either. I mean, some of the the highlight films, guys are just stiff arming left and right. Devin doesn't really do that. So to me, I think he's just a solid, all-around quality back, and that's why I put him at number three. So who was your third spot? Well, we
0: agree. I uh, went with Devin Lawrence also at number three, so that's interesting that we had the same one. Yeah, I mean we we've talked about him. I feel like he's probably one of the one of the the uh, running backs that we've talked about the most throughout our entire podcast relationship, uh-huh. and 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 I've said the same thing. And he's really good at everything, but there's not one thing that just you know that he just has. You know what I mean? That that, that you're like okay. You know he's a speed guy. He's a power guy. He you wouldn't say any of those things about him, but he's a consistent running back who, while playing in the highest classification that North Carolina has offered, the state of North Carolina has offered, he has been probably one of the best players, if not the best player, on a team that has went undefeated the past two seasons, including winning the MVP of the 4A championship a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, he's a guy who, he's a winner. He's going to do what's necessary. The thing that I really loved about him, and and you don't really, I didn't feel like you kind of saw this on his highlight film, but I know in person he comes from a wing T offense also. So, He's asked to block a lot. And if you go to one of his games, he's going to yeah. carry the ball a dozen times. The rest of the time he's blocking, which is mm-hmm. you know, just the selflessness is, is is huge. And that's why you know I really like him. And I think he's going to be a solid guy for North Carolina. He's not going to be a guy who's going to win a bunch of awards at North Carolina, but he's going to be a solid player that, that you know what you're going to get out of him. I guess I have to go to my number two. And this is where I really, really, really struggled with these two guys. So I went with... Um, Michael Salahuddin. And, Uh you know, I feel like he's uh, the best way to describe him is he's like an edgier Saquon Barkley, you know, (laughs) where he's a guy who does a whole lot of different things and does them really well. Um, Not a guy that you necessarily want carrying the ball 25 times a game, but you can give him about 15 carries and then throw the ball to him five times. And then maybe have him return a kick, return a punt, that sort of thing. He has a little swagger to him, which is good and can be bad because if anybody who's followed his high school career, he actually was suspended for the last couple of games, including the state championship, because he threw a punch at someone. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, but, you know, I mean, he comes from a very uh, rough area in Washington, D.C., where, um... There are certain, I guess, rules of engagement and you can kind of watch the film. He actually this is kind of funny to me. He actually kind of put together a highlight. I'm not even making this up. Go look at his highlight his his Huddle page. He made a highlight where it shows what this guy was doing to him that forced him to basically throw a punch at him
1: oh i did see that i was wondering what that was talking about on his huddle page yeah
0: yes yes (laughs) so it's 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 funny so clearly he feels like he was being agitated for a while and then just finally kind of fought back and you know i'm not going to look at if you kind of look at the headline you know salahuddin punches player and is you know suspended for a couple games that sounds bad but when you kind of look and see okay he was taking a lot of. Clearly, if you look at the video, these are these are cheap shots. These are after the whistle shots, and he finally just had enough, and everybody has a breaking point. But anyway, I'll let you get to your
1: your number two. All right. So my number two was Anthony Grant, and I'm surprised that we were so off on 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 him because to me, Anthony looks like a back that I think could really succeed in UNC's system. From what I saw with him, I saw that speed that you mentioned. It looks like his vision was also pretty good. And I will defer to you, Don, because you've obviously seen a lot more guys than I have. But I thought that Grant actually showed some...
0: Let me just say, I am, I'm probably, I'm not keeping score, but I would, I'm willing to bet I'm probably wrong more than I'm right. (laughs) Okay.
1: Well. Yeah, I mean, well, truthfully, all of us are. I mean, <laughs> look at how many recruiting experts, you know, give guys two-star rankings and then they go on to play in the NFL. But, but you know, truthfully, though, I mean, recruiting ranking is hard. I mean, that's the bottom yes. line. You, you really can't know. And, you know, so many of these guys, that they're, they're getting two-stars and three-stars. I mean, who knows how they develop. But when I was looking at, at Anthony Grant, though, I actually thought that he was a shifty runner it actually looked like his hips were pretty fluid as opposed to, you know, guys like Javante or Devin, who I didn't really see a whole lot of fluidity in their hips. But Anthony actually looked to me like he was able to get his hips around pretty decent. I thought that one area of his that I, I wanted to see more from was his catching. And then it looks like he, if you watch his videos, he Runs with some power. He's able to kind of fight through arm tackles. He uses a stiff arm pretty well. But he's not really out there really trucking guys um, that you would want to see maybe, you know, out of like a high, high elite running back prospect. Because, you know, some of these guys, if you're talking like someone that's just an, an incredible running back prospect, they do it all. They're fast. They can break arm tackles and they can truck guys at the high school level. And, and that's partly just due to because the level of competition isn't that great for a lot of these high school guys. I mean, they're going up against a majority of players that will not be playing Division I football. So you have, you have to take that in, into consideration. But with Anthony Grant, I just saw him as someone that I thought could really play that A-back role at Carolina who can run between the tackles if he's required to, especially as he gets stronger as he gets into a college program. So that's why I put him at my number two. And then I'll go ahead and start off with, with my number one spot. Do
0: we do a drum roll first? Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there we go. That's all we'll get. Um, my number one was Salahuddin. And a lot of it was because of why you put him at number two. He's a good combination of everything that, that you would want in a running back. He's got acceleration. I thought he actually had the most acceleration out of any of these five guys. When you're watching his his videos... I think he's the one that can go from zero to top speed the quickest. He does have good speed. I think he does need to get stronger a little bit. And I think he actually needs to get a little bit better on his reads. When I was watching his film, I thought some of those big runs that he broke off were actually because he just broke through a defender when his blockers were in a different area. And he just kind of you know, figured, no, I'm, I'm going to go over here and just run by this guy when he actually had blocking set up elsewhere, and you can get away with that in high school, but you really can't do that at college. So I think that he does need to work on that. But when you're talking about just all-around guys, and especially for the UNC offense, Salahuddin was my top choice.
0: All right. So obviously, mine is which is uh, where did you have Cavassier? Smoke. I am at number four. Number four. Okay. So. Drum roll. I have Cavassie. Smoke as my number one. And, and the reason why I went with him is I just felt like he's never down back. He's a very balanced back. I mean, you look at his size, and he, and he is big. As you mentioned in your description, he is the biggest. I be, Yeah, he's the biggest running back height-wise, um, size-wise, I believe. Is that right? Uh, I think Grant. so. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Grant's 5'11", 184, Kavassi, yeah, yeah, definitely. Kavasi is six feet, 210 pounds. Whoa,
1: and and I think he's a legit six feet.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I mean, he looks like a big kid. And, you know, even with that, he's almost like a power back that only uses his power when it's the last resort. So there are plays on there where he just completely steamrolls a defender, walks over him and, and into the end zone, sort of thing. But for the most part, what I liked about him is he actually wants to use his vision and um, it has very good vision to kind of f- follow through, and while he's not elusive, he does these subtle sort of jukes. Uh, I guess you can call them for lack of a better term that allows him to kind of set up defenders and kind of maneuver within the traffic. He, he has very good speed. You know, he's not he's not a, he's not a burner by any means, but he has enough speed. As I mentioned, he has good power. But really, I liked his footwork. And I just felt like really, he's a guy that you would keep on the field all, you know, all three downs. And that's why I went with him. So before we end this, did you want another homework assignment? Sure, why not? Now you're you have a vacation coming up, right?
1: I do. So I'll be gone until early January. So we may have to do this in the new year, but we can definitely do it.
0: That's fine. That's fine. All right. So how about we do, since UNC is looking for at least two more offensive linemen, maybe even three, why don't we do the offensive linemen? What What do you think? think? That sounds good. And I really encourage everybody who's listening to make sure that John isn't the only one who sends in (laughs) the ranking. Okay? Don't be scared. You know, and if you want us to leave your name off, we'll leave your name off. We did not give John's last name. Um, We just Gave his location and his first name. But anyway, so so yes, if you want to get involved, you can either send it to me uh, on Inside Carolina through a private message. The easiest thing is to uh, DM me at, at Don Callahan IC, at Don Callahan IC on Twitter. You can DM me or, or you can tweet at me, and I'll make sure I, I jot it down. Or you can email me, Don, at InsideCarolina.com. But here are the, the offensive linemen that we're going to be ranking. First one, Avery Jones. He's been committed to North Carolina. Actually, he's North Carolina's longest tenured verbal commitment. Well, actually, he's a signee now, but he, he was North Carolina's longest tenured verbal commitment from Havelock. William Barnes, who is uh, probably the biggest fish left in the sea for North Carolina, four star offensive lineman from Apaca. Josh Asidu, who's an offensive lineman from Archer in Georgia. And then we'll do Ed Montillis, who is a teammate of William Barnes at Apaca. And then Last but not least, and this guy I don't think North Carolina has a great chance with, but he there's a very good chance he could officially visit, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer, who is an offensive lineman from Tampa in Florida. So we'll rank those, what is that? That's um, five, right? So we yeah, we got a good five right there. Rank okay. those guys, and we'll, we'll kind of do the same sort of thing. Hopefully we get a couple of rankings from other people so we can kind of compare Hopefully, people learn from what we just did. It's very easygoing. We're just having fun with it. No one's gonna, you know, hold you accountable. Hopefully, no one holds me accountable because <laughs> I, I'm sure I got some of mine wrong.
1: Oh, I'm I'm sure I'm right there with you, man. And you know, and give us feedback if, uh, if there's something that that people enjoy, or you know, if there's anything, if if people want to maybe see something else, you know, definitely let us know on the message board. Send us DMs. Um, I'm just John Siegley on Inside Carolina. So you know, Don and I are around. You can find us. Sounds good. Yep. All right, Don. Well, hey, man, we have been talking for a while now, so (laughs) I'll go ahead and we'll end this one. But I don't think we have another one planned before the new year. If something big happens next week, we may try to do maybe an emergency one. That might have to be you and Tommy, though. But we will see. But if not, have a happy holiday to you, Don, and all the Inside Carolina family. And have a safe and prosperous new year. I want to
0: second that. Happy holidays for everyone. Happy holidays to you, John, and your family. And I really appreciate
1: everybody listening during this uh, holiday season. Absolutely. All right, guys. Thanks. We'll see everyone in 2018.
0: Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football,
1: basketball, and recruiting.